as I was thinking about this message, I've been thinking about this message for probably over six months of when to do it and, and, and kind of to talk about. And I really feel like the, the progress as a church, as a whole that we're making and watching lives change and watching what God is doing, uh, this is the, the perfect time to talk about it. And uh, there's, a, there's a great saying that um, says this, in any given moment, we have two options, either to step forward into growth or to step back into safety. I love that saying. In any given moment, we have two options. You can either step forward into growth or you can step back into safety. And what I want to talk about over the next three weeks, the, 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 the series title, Get Off the Milk, comes from a, uh, a scripture that we're going to read here in just a minute. But um, there is a natural transition uh, for nutrients, okay? Um, I want to talk to you over the next three weeks about the growth process in our faith. What does it look like to, to, to progress in our faith? Because I think a lot of times we just, we, 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 get, we come to church we have that moment where we say, I want to choose Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And then it's kind of like the, well, what's next? And a lot of times we don't talk about that in church. We don't talk about the, the, the what's next. How do, we, how do we move forward? You know, if you, if you, if you have a job, if you, if you uh, do any trade, if you have a hobby, when you get into it, there's, there's a natural progression of becoming better at something. And so we, you know, we, nowadays you can get on YouTube, Right? And you can, you can watch somebody else do it, and then you try it. And, and the first time, typically, unless you're some savant, is not good, right? You know, it's you're just naturally, you're like, okay, that was a train wreck, but I can get better. And, and there's a, listen, could you imagine if we stopped after the first time we ever tried anything? It would be, it would be horrible. We, we, we would be discouraged on everything we do. Could you imagine if you never, uh, if you got in the car the first time, and, you know, your first time driving, my first time driving stick was a train wreck. My youth pastor threw me, I had my permit, he threw me in his work truck, and uh, he said, let's drive. And so I, I'm, you know, I, listen, I did good because we went out of the city, like into the country area, and I was like, oh, sweet, okay, you know, grinding gears and all sorts of fun stuff. And then he's like, okay, now let's, let's drive back in and let's go to church. And I'm like, cool. Then we got to a four-way stop. Oh, Lord. First gear. Well, lo and behold, one of our friends was behind, ended up behind us. He starts laying on the horn. Oh, man, I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, I'm like, I'm halfway in the four-way stop. Everybody's, I'm just like, what? You know, the whole time, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus. I, like, never wanted to drive stick again. Here's the problem. My first car was a stick. <laughs> I had no choice. So what, did I drive stick any time after? No, I, I, I was like, stay clear of that vehicle. I want nothing to do with it. But eventually, I had to. And so when I got my license... Um, you know, because I, I had friends, oh, it's easy. Oh, my parents, oh, it's easy. Oh, you know, it's, it's not. It, when, it's not easy when somebody else is in the other side of the vehicle going, shift, 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 foot, no, stop, break. If we would have, if I would have stopped there, I would have never realized how fun driving stick is. 
So what happened was, is that eventually after, you know, everybody and their mother trying to tell me how to do stick, I just, when I got my license, I jumped in my vehicle and I said, to heck with it. I'm either going to burn the clutch out or I'm going to learn how to drive stick, right? And I get in my car and, and every car that's a stick, it has its own feel. Some you can go further in, some you, you don't have to go as far in and I, you just start to feel it. And man, I started to get good and I started to drive and I'm like, mm, I like this. I like this, you know? Then you start to learn all the fun stuff which we won't talk about. There's a growth process in everything we do, and it includes our faith. How and what we do has to be intentional to get the reward of the outcome we desire. You just can't get in a car and, and start putting, pushing your feet on the pedals and hoping that it's going to go somewhere. You have to be intentional. Clutch first, unless you've got some special type of, you know, shifter. Clutch first, then you move it into the gear. Then you don't just pop the clutch. You, you gotta, there's, a, there's, a, there's that transition. And so, so, so there's, there's, you have to be intentional with your feet. And there's a lot of moving parts. All, all parts of your body are doing stuff, both hands and feet and your brain's overthinking things. And with life, it's the same thing. Everything we do has an intention that we do something with the how and the what are intentional to get a reward, to get the outcome of, of what we want in life. And so um, how many know through that growth process in, in the natural, there's a, uh, there's a process for babies when it comes to milk? Now, how many, would, how many, how many like milk in the room? Okay. I'm, I'm a, uh, if it's in cereal, if it's, you know, that kind of stuff, that's a, that's a me guy. That's what I am. Okay. I don't just sit with a, with a cup of milk. Now, once again, Oreos, cookies, brownies, right? Okay. You know, milk, chocolate milk, um, hot chocolate. Uh, uh, that's always good. Milk goes good with some things. Like I said, now some of you, you're, you're a glass of milk with your, with your meal and, 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 and you love it. You have it in the morning. But, you know, when I think of milk, I think of cookies and brownies and cereal. Um, but I don't think of it as a meal in and of itself. I don't, I don't, I don't think of it as, as the way to get my nutrients throughout the day. Now, unless you're a baby, right? Now, a baby needs that milk. They, they need that, that nutrients and that nourishment. How many, did you know that studies show that mother's milk is the best thing for a little one in the beginning stages of growth? Now, I'm not going to get into the debate of uh, formula and mother's milk because that's, that's between you and Jesus and I don't care. I'm just stating from a medical standpoint that there is a benefit. The best benefit comes from the mother's milk. I was doing some research about it. Did you know that mother's milk is the best form of nutrition and can help protect against short and long-term illness and disease. It lowers the risk of asthma, obesity, type 1 diabetes, uh, SIDS. It shares antibodies from the mom to the child to help build a strong immune system. No, now, now here's the thing. Like, that's a lot of really good benefits. And, and there's, you know, uh, all different uh, countries, UK, America, Canada, uh, India, they've all done these studies on, like, when's the best time to transition your kid from uh, the milk to, like, you know, whole milk, uh, cow's milk or goat milk or whatever other milk, your almond milk, I guess. I don't know. Whatever milk you want to transition your kid to. Um, but no study that I can find ever says milk is a bad thing as your child gets older. Like nobody's like saying, hey, at the age of two, they better stop drinking milk altogether. Like, no, milk's good for you unless you're lactose intolerant. Then it's real bad for you. 
real bad. I'm not lactose intolerant. I'm like, uh, I don't know what you would call it. I'm like lactose and you have too much and then you're going to pay for it. But like, you know, there's that, there's that barrier and you pass it and it's no good. And, and every, I push that barrier. Like I'll get a milkshake on a long trip and realize, oh, should have got the small. And that's all I'll say to that. Uh, but if you're lactose intolerant, milk's a bad thing. But the studies just say that people need to drink less as they get older. That you transition from milk to solid food. You transition from the nutrients that you need in milk to the nutrients of a balanced diet. So with that in mind, I want you to look at the book of Hebrews with me. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. It says this. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skills to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, I promise you this isn't a, you're a bad message, I promise, but there's, there's, there, you could tell in the, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews, which we don't know who necessarily is the writer of Hebrews. A lot of people say it's Paul because of the way the writing um, correlates with his letters, but they don't actually give it to him um, because he, normally he starts out most of his letters like to the church of uh, writings from Paul the epistle, and he doesn't with Hebrews. And so there's only speculation that it's Paul. But he starts off with this, and, and, he's, and he's telling the, the, the people the, the, in, in the book of Hebrews, listen, you've been Christians for a while now. You, you, should, be, you should be doing something. You should be teaching people. You should, you should be discipling others. And yet here we are circling the fence again with, with having to teach you the most basic of things uh, with, with our Christian faith. And, and, and listen, you know, babies need milk. You know, the, the, the babies are the ones that, they, they, they don't know right from wrong, right? You know, we have to tell babies, don't touch the hot stove. Don't eat the cookies before dinner. Don't hold the cookie over your head with two Alaskan Malamutes out in the yard. I'm, I'm, I got this one ER trip later because the dog decided he was going to jump and his claws came down and almost took my eyeball out. We have to tell babies this. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't go there. Don't touch that. You know, we, we have to do that. Why? Because they're still learning. Their brain is still trying to figure out right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong. And he, in the book of Hebrews, is saying, listen, you should be past this. You should be past the basics of Christianity, and you should be into the solid food of Scripture and Christianity. Now, if I sat before you an option a nice tall glass of milk or a steak. Any of you pick the milk and we can't be friends. I'm just, listen, you know, I'm just saying. Because, because milk is not going to give you the nutrients. It's not going to give you the fulfillment, the satisfaction of, of, of being able to provide all that you're, it is a great addition. It is not the meal. It's like salad. Salad is the promise that real food is coming. That's all salad is. All of you crazy people that, I'll take a salad for lunch. 
Salad is the promise that real food is supposed to come afterwards. And some of y'all just stop there. And God is going, child, grass is not supposed to sustain you. You are not a rabbit. So I got a couple of thoughts for you this morning about uh, as we intro this message. And uh, this week is kind of the intro, the foundation. The next two weeks, I'm going to talk about some, some things, some actual, I'm going to give you some, some practical things. So that's what I like. I like practical things that we can uh, do to transition in our faith walk from the, the basic milk to the meat of our faith and our walk with Jesus. And so here's the first thing, and this is the foundational point, because if you miss this, you will think that I expect everybody to be at the same level, and I don't. The first point is this, is that different stages of faith walk. Everybody is at a different place in their faith walk. And so, so I don't expect, and, and, and nor should any pastor or any church or any believer or any leader ever expect us to all be on the same page. I think that's one of the things that we get so um, discouraged at in church is that you come into church and, and, and you're, maybe you haven't even made a decision to follow Jesus and, and, and they're like, all right, now pick up your cross and walk. And you're like, I don't even know if I want a cross. And walk where? Where are we going? Why are we carrying a cross? You walk into church and you're covered by the blood. I'm out of here. Because we, we like to talk in Christianese instead of just bringing like simplicity to the gospel, which the gospel is so simple that Jesus went to the cross, he died for our sins, and that he asked us to not just choose him. I think a lot of times we, we make it, we, we try to dumb it down for people. You know, oh, do you accept Jesus? Jesus doesn't need your acceptance. He wants your following. But in that, there's different stages where, where you may be and where I may be, maybe two different things, two different places. And so you have to, to first recognize where you are at in your faith walk. You have to recognize that maybe you need to be on milk. I think sometimes we, we expect people to jump too far in, too deep, too quickly, and they go, mm, I'm out. I just read the book of Leviticus, and I'm so confused, I want out. Or the first book, you know, like, I want to know how the ending of the, how many, how many in school, maybe it's just me, but I read the beginning of the book and I read the ending of the book and I made up whatever was in the middle. Or I watched the movie, okay? And I actually told my English teacher this one time, I read the beginning of the book, I read the ending of the book, I, read, I think I read one chapter in the middle and I told her, and I got a B on the final um, over the book and I, and, she, and I went up to her and I said, I got a B on your test and I didn't even read the book. And she goes, Scott, you're not supposed to tell me that. So what do we do? We, we read the book, the beginning of the book, Genesis. You're like, ooh, kind of cool, kind of crazy. Then you jump to the ending of the book, and you're like, I'm out. I'm out. These seven-headed dragon things and seven seals and weird things going on, and I, I'm out. This is not supposed to be, I mean, you can read it cover to cover. I would not suggest that. I wouldn't. I, I really, I like, I, I don't suggest it. You'll be. Um, what, here's what, you want to know my suggestion? If you've not read the Bible in a long time, or maybe you've, uh, you've always just listened to messages or podcasts, I'm going to give you my really simplistic uh, beginning stages of milk for Christianity. Start in the Gospels. Get to know Jesus. The whole story is about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, the whole story is about Jesus. It's about a Savior who came to give us life through the giving of his. So get to know him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
Then, then go to the book of Acts and, and Romans, great uh, 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 foundation of the beginning church. You could throw in, uh, read, uh, read a proverb for the day, right? There's 31 proverbs. You read one a day uh, during the month. You know, pick up the book of Psalms. It's, you know, beautiful, beautiful poetry and beautiful uh, ways to look at life. And, and, and what, that is a great foundation to get built up in your faith. Because then when you start to go and read things uh, in the Bible, you'll go, oh, that makes sense. And, and, and the Bible isn't something where you just read it one time, like, oh, yeah, I read the book of Matthew one time. Go back. Go back and read it again. I've read Scripture over and over and over again, and I go, I've never noticed that. I've ne- I, was watch, uh, I was listening to a podcast all day yesterday, on and off, uh, through doing different work, and they would say stuff, and I was like, my mind was blown. 20 years into, into this faith walk, and, and my mind was just like... I was like, whoa, never thought of it that way. Like, I know I've read that scripture like a bajillion times, but I've never thought of it that way. And so don't dive in too deep too quickly unless God tells you to. I want you to look at 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. It says this, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kind of speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. See, the Bible says that our our beginning stages of our faith walk should be crying out for the milk, crying out for the simplicity and the basics of the gospel, of who Jesus is. I promise, listen, I encourage you. If you have not read the Gospels lately, go back and read them. I remember being 21 years old, first, uh, first uh, moment of full-time ministry. Um, I'd been saved since I was 14, and I remember just so focused on doing ministry, and Jesus said, uh, it was in my prayer time, God was like, go back and read the Gospels. I remember going back and reading the Gospels and seeing what Je- you know, seeing how Jesus lived his life, seeing how Jesus showed love and compassion towards those that hated him, showing uh, care for those that that had listen had no they, he, he couldn't do if, if 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 I'm and I'm not Jesus, but I'm just saying if I was uh, and and Junior was you know the lame man that couldn't walk. He he provides me nothing as, if I'm Jesus. I, I don't get anything out of the fact that 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 he can't walk. So everything that Jesus did was really just to, to benefit the world around him and benefit the, the care and, and, and the, uh, the growth of people around him. He didn't benefit. Matter of fact, half the time when he did it, he would say, go and sin no more. And then he would tell him, like, hey, don't go tell people. <laughs> like, like, hold on to that. Because it's not my time for people to know all that I've done yet. And, 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 and so, so Jesus wasn't about the limelight and the showboating and all of that. He was like, seriously, he was just like, man, you need healing and I, I can do that. So here it is. I, I love going back and just reading about the, the love that Jesus has. Um, go and watch The Chosen with that. Like read, read, read the, the Gospels and then go and watch something like The Chosen and, and, and get to see the picture of it. It's a beautiful portrayal of, of who Jesus was and, and how he uh, interacted with the disciples and how he interacted with humanity. But he says, listen, here's what I love about the, the, the Peter scriptures that it starts out with this, so get rid of all evil behavior. There's an aspect of, I don't care how much knowledge you can get if you're not changing who Jesus has called you to be. 
And all you've done is collect truth, but you've done nothing with it. Faith is the active living of truth. You know, I know math. I can do math in my head, but if I don't actually use it, then what good is it, right? If you're building a house and you're like, oh yeah, I'm really good with numbers and really good with angles and da-da-da-da, and then you just start cutting stuff and wood and you just start nailing it together. Like, well, did you measure and use that math? No, <laughs> I just know how to do it. But you're building a house. Why is one side like nine feet tall and the other one's 15? Use those numbers. That, see, you know the truth, but you haven't lived the truth because you didn't put it into action. And so many times we, we know the truth. Oh, Jesus died on a cross for me. I understand that. Jesus called me to live a, a different lifestyle, to look different than, than, than the world and, and, to, and to be uh, who he has purposed and called me to be. But I know that truth, but I, I'm not living it out. And so, here, so get rid of all evil behavior. Now, li- listen, here's what I love about this because we like to pick out the stuff that we can see. Stop being alcoholic. Stop doing drugs. Stop being promiscuous. Stop being this, all, right? All the things we can see. Look what he says. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kinds of unkind speech. All of that is what starts from within. So you can change your actions or you can change the inner parts of who Jesus is creating you to be and the actions will follow. If you change your mind, if you change your heart, your actions will follow. Like, you won't even have to think about it. I, I, I constantly talk about, it, like, when I stopped cussing in my life because it wasn't even an active thought. It was just that I was chasing after Jesus inside, asking him to change my heart, change my, my thought process. And by doing that, he changed my speech pattern. By doing that, he changed how I saw people. And so it's not that we're special. It's not that, that I've got it all together and I'm perfect and I'm better. It's just that I chose to get after the milk of Jesus, the milk of the word. And, and listen, this is what it says, is that it will grow you into a full experience of salvation. There is a growth pattern that starts with milk, but it, got, it has to end with meat. Just like a natural growth, spiritual growth has a maturing process. Vincent Van Gogh says this, I love this. I am always doing what I cannot do yet in order to learn how to do it. Like, well, duh. But how many of us don't do stuff because we're scared that we won't do it well? Oh, I'd really like to. How many, how many have ever said this? I would really like to learn to how, to, how to play an instrument. What keeps you from doing it? Well, nobody, nobody to teach me. Lies. YouTube, all day long, YouTube. YouTube will, listen, I know like 20 years ago we didn't have that, but we do now. You can learn how to do anything. You want to be a master mechanic? YouTube. You want to learn how to, 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 to get a hobby? YouTube, Pinterest, right? Like one of the greatest things about technology is we don't have the excuse of I don't know how. See, back in the day, you'd have to have a disciple, Right? You know, oh, you know how to do this? Well, I'm going to sit and I'm going to learn underneath you and you're going to teach me and then it's going to be like monkey see, monkey do. And now I don't even need you anymore. I just need you to put a video on so that I can watch it and learn. That's how I fixed half of my cars. <laughs> 97 Ford Explorer. Y'all know about this. I've talked about it enough. That devil of a vehicle. 
I have fixed more things on that vehicle when I had it because of YouTube. That and calling my dad. Hey, dad, I'm looking at this one thing. What is it? And then he'd say, oh, it's this. Now go YouTube it. Um, YouTube. We grow. It's, I'm always doing what I cannot do yet in order to learn how to do it. I don't know how to pray. Do it. Just, just start pray. Talk to Jesus. Oh, but what if I say something wrong? He's not surprised. It's like, I made that. I made I, that. That bumbling fool, I made that. Moses, I'm not a very good speaker. He goes, I know, I made you. I know what you're good and, and bad at. Matter of fact, because you're not good at it, that's why I want to use you there. Hello. Oh, I'm not a good speaker. <laughs> Join the club. Fake it till you make it, I guess. Half the time I look at God, I'm like, God, you should, really should have chose somebody better. <laughs> Moses, I can't do this. Gideon. The angel of the Lord showed up to Gideon and he was hiding from his enemies. He said, mighty warrior. He's like, me? You got the wrong person. I'm not a mighty warrior. I am hiding from my enemies. What mighty warrior do you see? Why? Because Jesus, God sees us not where we are, but where we could be. And we need to start learning how to do the things that we're scared to do, step out in faith areas and say, you know what? I may not be able to do it well now, but if I continue to put it into practice, it will become second nature. Prayer is not normal, but it can become natural. Reading your word, it, it, it can be boring at first, but when you start to see what it does and what it creates in your life, you will always run back to it. You don't have to be a pastor to disciple others, to speak truth and to live it out in your life. It is everybody's call. All throughout the Bible, it talks of this growth. In the Old Testament, you would hear things like, meditate on my words. Don't depart from the teaching. I found your words and I ate them. That was in Jeremiah. They were like honey. Psalms says it like this, hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. There's a natural growth process that as we take in the word of God, it creates something in us to want to go further and deeper in his word and in living it out. I love that one in, in Psalms. Hide your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. It's literally saying, let it become the moral, spiritual compass of my life so that I please you with every action that I live. I believe the greatest mark of a church is discipleship amongst its people on their own. It's when conversation sparks amongst each other and we grow together without it being asunder or needing a pastor. Well, you know, we'd like to talk about Jesus, but Pastor Scott's not available. I love that, that there's a walking group that they talk about probably everything under the sun and carry bulldogs, I hear. <laughs> Jake said, I carried your dog. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't take bulldogs on walk, by the way. If you, don't. They only get so far and then they're like, I'm done. They're not walking dogs. They learn the hard way. Right, but, but, but it's, just, it's just getting together. Us guys, we got together on Tuesday. And it wasn't a whole lot of Jesus and, and healing and this and that, but it was just guys that love Jesus getting together and doing stuff. Encouraging and, and living and, and not having to be fake or have to you know, do more than we, we need to just to enjoy and just gather. 
It's doing life with one another. It's sitting at a coffee shop and, and saying, hey, how's life? And introducing Jesus into the conversation. The greatest mark of a church is when the people start to live it out and disciple one another together. Too much milk makes fat babies. Some of y'all have seen them. We owned one. Zion was huge. Bro was massive. His roles had roles. He was cute. Our, our nephew. That kid has like the head. This, I was a fat kid too. It's okay. Listen. Hey, you guys hush up. I'm going to put you in kids church. Peanut gallery. Nobody wants to be baby Huey. Could you imagine if somebody walked in to church today and nothing but a diaper with a bottle? Some of y'all be like, I'm, I'm out. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. But that's the visual picture of spiritual growth that so many of us sit in. We came to Jesus. We love him, but we stopped. We, we, we never walked through discipleship. We never really got into his word on our own. We never really understood prayer. So we just, we just stopped. Now we just go to church and we hear a pastor and we hear some songs and, and we just stopped. We just, that's where we're at. And so spiritually, we are baby Huey walking into church with nothing but a diaper and a bottle saying, pastor, feed me. And at some point, we need a broader, more substantial diet. That's my encouragement over the next three weeks to encourage you and to challenge you as your leader and as your pastor. Hey, listen, let's, let's really dive into this. Let's, let's dive into a, a faith walk that is bigger than just Sunday, that's bigger than just some pastor speaking to you, that the, the living God wants to speak to you. The living God wants to be invited into your life every morning, noon, and night. He wants to help you make the decisions. He wants to help you to tell you to be quiet. You want to say something. But we're all on a different faith walk. And so I'm not asking you to join me where I'm at. I'm saying where you are at, let's start walking there. The second thought is this. You gotta choose to know your creator. You gotta choose to know your creator. Colossians 3.10, I actually read this last week. I'm, I'm putting it in again. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. We gotta learn to know Jesus. Learn to know who God is through his word, through prayer, through community. We gotta learn to know him. I've said this over and over again. How do we get to know people? We go and we, we interact with them. We do life together, right? We met Sky four years ago. Knew nothing about her. But through the process, we have become really close to her. We've got to see the ups and downs of life. And, and here now in a couple of weeks, we get to see a, a massive change in her life and, and, and this amazing guy, Junior, and where they, they become one and they become married and they get to do a whole new season of life together. Could you imagine if, 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 she's, if we just, you know, oh, you know, hey. And they just, I'm just going to church here. Don't leave me alone. No. We get to do life. We get to, we get to enjoy getting to know one another, and the, the ups and downs, and we have somebody to walk through life with us. And God is going, there's nothing better than knowing people, but the, other, the only thing greater than that is knowing him. Know your creator. 
Spiritual growth through God's word, through talking with him. So we're supposed to know him, not know of him. And there's a huge difference. See, a lot of us could rattle off things about God. I used to do this with the teenagers. I used to uh, uh, say, okay, tell me about God. And they'd rattle off all the things that they'd ever heard me say, right? He's the first and the last, okay? He's Alpha and Omega. It means the same thing. He's my Abba. You don't even know what that is. Right? Because they hear these things, and when we talk in Christianese, and so they just pick it up. They don't know what it means, but, but they've, they've heard us say it, and so they just regurgitate it instead of knowing him. They know of him, but they don't know him. And so the Bible says, re- learn to know your creator, not know of. It doesn't say know of God. It says know your creator. Have a personal relationship with him. And, not or, and become like him. See, a lot of us get the first one down. We're like, okay, cool. Like, I experienced Jesus. I experienced his presence. Holy Spirit, you're here. And then we stop, and, and the becoming like him is the harder part because it challenges us to have to look at our life and say, am I living to the standard of Jesus and not the standard of what I want or myself or flesh? So many times I hear people say, well, you know, I'd, I'd love to change the way I speak, but, but what? It's comfortable, but everybody else does it, which is like the load, biggest load of crap I've ever heard. So you're going, he just cussed. No, I didn't. Think about that. Oh, I can't because this, this is the other one that, that trips me up and, and, and I will walk away from conversations sometimes when it's like this because I'm like, you're, it's a losing conversation. It's just how he made me. He made you that way? You're telling me that the God of all universe that is nothing but good, nothing but uh, holy, nothing but righteous, he made you the broken one? He made you to, to, that flies against every aspect of his character and nature, and yet he made you that way? No. God does not make you anything other than to look like him. Sin, flesh, this, this, this world that we are in has created a barrier between us and him and has created bad habits, which we're going to talk about next week, and bad character and bad flaws in our lives, sin and pain and hurt and, and, and things that hold us down. And we attach it to ourselves as a title and we go, well, it's just me. And you've bought the lie that you're broken. And you bought the lie that you can't change. And you bought the lie that somehow out of everybody in the universe, God made you different in a negative way. His word says, no. His nature is for that you would know him and you would become like him. We become what we're around. I was listening to uh, two pastors speak yesterday and, and he said, uh, you got to be careful about the, you know, listening to only the same speakers over and over again because you actually start to speak like them. And if you notice, if, if, listen, if you listen to anybody and then you listen to their disciples, you'll notice that you'll be like, oh yeah, no, that person totally sounds like that person. Why? Because they've only listened to them speak. And so they, they, they mimic and they model that. We become what we're around. Think about this, all you hunters. How did you learn to hunt? 
you got around somebody. My dad, right? A family member said, hey, listen, we're, we're going we're gonna to teach you how to hunt. How many arguments have been started over the proper way to track and hunt? Like, you know, no, you don't do that. You got to do it this way. You'll never get a deer that way. I imagine there's conversations like that. I don't know. Or fish. Oh, Lord, I bet you you could fill up a whole boat full of arguments. You can't catch them with that. You got to have this. Bobber, oh, this, that. Yeah, I, listen, I could talk out my, my, my side of my mouth. I know nothing about fishing other than there's a rod and you throw it in. And it's peaceful. Hopefully peaceful. I don't know. I guess if you're losing, it, it, well, you don't throw the rod in. No, I mean, okay. <laughs> Maybe at the end of the day, you throw the rod in, okay? I, I, I saw a meme on Facebook the other day. Uh, I, think, I think Tony posted it. It was, it was, you know, it's fishing season when you start to see the bobbers bloom. You know? <laughs> but we, 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 get to, we get around people, and that's who teaches us. Like we, we learn to cook, right? Another thing, grilling. We learn from the people... I call it barbecuing. It's my mic and I'll use it how I want. <laughs> but we learn from those that we are around. Oh, you can't put that seasoning on it. Oh, you got to do this. You got to prep it this way, right? We all have our ways and we learn from the people that we're around. You get around someone that did it and you learn how to do something, and it's no different than what our faith walk. The problem is, is that the biggest tool the enemy is using is isolation. So I don't learn from people because I don't get around people. I don't have conversation with people. And then the enemy makes us feel dumb for asking questions when that's the only way you learn. Hey, what does the Bible mean when it says this? And here's the problem is so many times we say things like this. All you know this story, maybe you don't. So now you feel dumb because you're like, well, I should know a story. So why am I going to ask the question, well, what does this story mean if I'm supposed to know the story? I hope that our goal here is to always make room to have questions. You got a question? Let's talk about it. Let's dive into something. And if I don't have the answer, you know what I'm going to tell you? Let me think about that. Let me look into it. Or maybe that, you know, I can't talk to so-and-so. Maybe what if I ask Deanna a question and she doesn't know? And, you know, she goes, I don't know. I was telling somebody that a couple weeks ago. What if I don't know the answers? Then you say, I don't know, but let me look into that. Let's do some research together. Let's talk about it. Let me, let me dive into God's word and let's, let's, let's have real conversation. And the enemy gets us isolated. And so we don't ask questions, but that's how we learn how to do everything else. Hey, dad, what happens when if I pull this trigger and it's pointed at somebody? Right? First rule of any gun handling, don't put your finger on the trigger unless you're willing to shoot it. And that's why, think about it. How many people have we seen running around acting like fools, even if it's a toy gun and they got their finger on the trigger because nobody ever told them, don't do that. You get in cars and they drive and you're like, somebody should have taught them better. Maybe somebody didn't teach them at all. And we get to church and we just expect you to learn. Just, oh, come on, just know. Ask questions. Let's know our creator. Let's get to know this, this life that God has for us. We've got to know him. 
Ephesians 1.17, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. The goal is to grow in your knowledge. I wanna, um, I've got one more point, but I want to give you a picture of what this looks like. I talked about Tuesday, this, uh, a group of guys, uh, our life group got together, and uh, we, we learned how to weld. Maybe I was the only one in the group that really needed to learn, but uh, everybody else had had some exposure to it. So I was first up. I put the little mask on, get two pieces of metal. John's like, pull the trigger. I pulled the trigger. Everything went black. I stopped. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I just broke everything. <laughs> Eric goes, oh, I should have told you. <laughs> it's going to make everything go black. It's doing its job. See, and no hate, and I'm not saying this to like poke fun, but it, it's the reality of what happens in our spiritual walk as well is that we, we, we forget, we assume, oh, they know what that looks like. They, they know what reading the Bible looks like. Oh, they know, they, they know what prayer looks like. Oh, they know what worship is about. And so we welcome you in, and then we just expect you to jump into the fold. And listen, I'm telling you, if you're, if you're brand new, square one, let's start it. Let's talk about who Jesus is. He's your Savior. He came and died on this earth to, to, on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you wouldn't have to spend the eternal life, not just in hell. I mean, we, we think hell is a bad place, and we read the description of it. Listen, hell in and of itself means absolutely nothing to me, because hell is simply this. It is the departing of his presence from my life for all of eternity. It gives a description in the Bible, gnashing of teeth and, 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 and fiery hell. and da, da, da. None of that really matters. It is the literal hopelessness that you will never be able to escape that and never feel the goodness of God. Heaven's the alternative. It's literally being in his presence 24-7. And we, we, we've got to start walking people through the because you'll have that welding moment. Or you do something spiritually, you're like, oh, never doing that again. Nobody, nobody told me about that. And I did. I jumped back. I stopped. I was like, oh, oh, I just killed the shop. That's what, listen, that's what I thought I did. I thought I killed the shop. I thought I hit that trigger and just the power went boom. Because everything went black. And how many people experience something in church we don't talk them through that. We don't walk them through that. We don't disciple them. We don't encourage you enough. You go, I'm done. I experienced church hurt. I'm done. I, I, I saw people worshiping, and, and nobody had ever told me about what that looked Ah, that looks weird. Why are you raising your hands? I'm out. You, you say pray, but you don't ever give me an example or you never walk me through this. And so I just feel like my words are hitting the walls and then nobody ever walks me through it. And so I, I, get, I get sad, feel so distant, so I just quit. My last thought is simply this. No matter where you're at in your faith walk, no matter where you're at in your journey, you gotta live a godly life. Not good enough to know, we gotta act. It doesn't mean perfect. Hear me out. It does not mean perfect. But it also doesn't mean give yourself excuses for your faults and flaws. It means that every day I'm waking up and I'm saying, God, I want to be the best version of me in you. Not just the best version of me, because that could be a really bad version. Because you bought the lies over so much 
that this is how you are and this is what you, you know, I'm never going to be able. No, no, no. God, I want to be the best version of me in you. So if that means I've got to change, help change some things. And can I tell you that, that right off the bat, when you start to ask God to do that and he starts exposing those things, and you know, it's going to hurt a little bit. It does. And I always equate it back to working out because working out hurts and it sucks. It does. You haven't worked out in a while and you go work out, that next day, you're, you're questioning all sorts of life. Why, why would I do that? Why? I feel so much better when I don't work out. My body does not hurt. Like, my wife has been working out for over a year. There's still days where she, like, gets done with her workout, and the next day she looks like she needs a cane. I'm like, are you okay? She goes, it was leg day yesterday. Jenny hates us. Abuses us. But eventually, the more you do it, the more it becomes easier, the more your body gets used to it. The same thing with our life is that the more that we expose ourselves to God's presence and God's purpose, it gets easier. In other words, we need to be effective. I want to end with 2 Peter 1.3, and we're going to actually come back to this scripture uh, over the next two weeks. But I want to end with this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Sharish, you can come up. I want you to hear something in this scripture, though, as we end. It does not say it's on your own capabilities to live this life. You don't have it in you. So hear me out. You do not have it in you to live the life that God has purposed and planned for you. You do not have it. You cannot muster it up. You cannot man up enough. You cannot have enough. You can't pull yourself up from the bootstraps enough to live the life that God has purposed for you. Can you live a good life without him? Yes. Right? You can live a standard good life. You can get a good job. You can pay bills. You can go on vacations. But that doesn't bring hope. That doesn't bring peace. That doesn't bring eternal life. All it does is, is provide the outward experience of a good life. The Bible says by his divine power, by his presence, by his spirit, by his word, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So when, 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 you, when you hear things like a challenging word that says, hey, look, you can be better. You can do this. And you go, no, that's not in me. You're right, it's not in you. You're right. So get close to Jesus. Know your creator so that you can find what he has given you. Well, you, you don't understand, Pastor Scott. I, you know, mm, I, I would love to change the way I speak. Okay, well then get in your word and study what it means to change your thought process. The Bible says, what, think on whatever is pure and holy and righteous and lovely. You know what that means? That means when those thoughts come up, you have, a, you, have a, you have an option. You can either entertain them or you can discard them. It's real easy just to open your mouth and let it flow. 
But then the Bible, the Holy Spirit says, hey, instead of thinking that, why don't you bless them? Bless, bless them? Do you know what they did to me? Yeah, bless them. Do you know what they said about me? Bless them. And not bless them like... God, they are saying that out of a place of hurt. And so, God, I ask that your spirit would show them who you are so that whatever hurt they're walking through, they can be healed too. And their words will not attach to my spirit so that I can live a life that's close to you. Oh, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Scott. No, it's not. It's not. It really isn't. But it's what we're called to. By his divine power, God has given you everything you need to live. You don't understand. I have, I have, this addiction has been in my life for longer than I know anybody personally. Okay. God has given you the strength to kick it. The only person in the way is you. Oh, I, I don't believe that pastor's got, okay, but I'm t- trust me, challenge, I'm challenging you. If you've got something in your life that you know doesn't line up with God's word and his will for your life, I promise you, seek him and you will find all that you need. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But don't give up when it gets hard. Don't, don't give up when it gets uncomfortable. Don't give up. Oh, mm, I want it so bad. No, I don't care. You're gonna run to Jesus and not run to that. It's the not stopping when it gets uncomfortable that is what makes makes it hard for a lot of people. It's the doing the hard things. Once you've chosen the creator, you'll have all you need to live. The purpose that he's given you. You can't just do what we want and think Jesus is okay with it. This is what I want to end with. You can't, listen... Too many pastors have been like, it's okay. No, it's not. God's word says there's things that we're doing that is not okay and that he's not okay with. And we're like, oh, but grace. No, 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 no. Let's, let's not mistake grace for his word, his truth. There are things in our life, every single one of us, from me to you, everything, there's something in us that God is constantly working out to be better. I wrote this down. Um, Jesus wasn't here to vibe with you. You know how many people hated him? He is here to change the world, not vibe in yours. He's here to change the world. He's not, he's not here to vibe with you. And I'm telling you, the best thing that you can do is you can lay down your life for his because he will give you the best version of, of, of the life that he wants for you when you choose your creator. You pray with me. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I've never heard it presented this way. Maybe you've heard a lot of pastors say, oh, you need to accept Jesus. I'm telling you today, don't. He doesn't need your acceptance. He needs your followership. He told the disciples, come and follow me. Every single one of them, he said, come and follow me. He never said, accept me. He never said, choose me. He said, come and follow me. So today, maybe you're sitting there and, and, and you've, you've gone through the, the, the normal church stuff and you, oh yeah, you know, I want to accept him. But your life never changed because you didn't ever feel like you had to do anything different. I'm telling you today, if you truly want Jesus, you've got to tell him, I want to follow you. 
Maybe you're sitting there and it's ringing so loud in your spirit, so loud in your heart. That's what I want. Nobody's looking around. I just, can I pray for you? If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Nobody's looking around. It could be the difference between here and eternity. Amen. I see that hand. But Jesus wants you. He wants all of you. The messy part of you, the, the good part of you. He wants, he wants everything in between. He wants to just know you and by, vice versa. He wants you to know him. So God, those that raise their hand, maybe even those that are sitting there and they're battling in their spirit, God, whether it's today or tomorrow or next week or a month from now, that they finally let go and they say, I want to choose to follow you, that they would simply state these words, I follow you, Jesus. You know, we call it the sinner's prayer. I just, I really call it, I, I, I like it being known as the disciple's prayer because it's really saying that I want to follow Jesus. And it's simple this, would you repeat this after me? Say, dear Jesus, I choose to follow you because you died for me. You forgave my sins. The ones I've done, the ones I will do. You've forgiven them all. And so let my life live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God, I bless each and every person that meant that in their heart. Now they would go and they would, like you said to each and every person that you interacted with, go and sin no more. Not to be perfect, but to live our lives with the mindset, I'm going to choose my creator and I'm going to try to live as godly as I can. God, I pray encouragement over them that they would get in your word, no matter where they're at in the faith walk, if it's day one or day 1,001, that they would get in your, their word and they would spend some time with you and they would get to know you and they would build their faith up. God, that they would listen to podcasts and they would get around good community that's going to breathe life and speak life into them, Father. And I pray that we could be a part of that to show them your goodness and your kindness, to challenge them when they need it, to encourage them when they need it. God, I pray for the rest of this week that not only do we go and have a great week, but that God, we live out opportunities to share of your kindness and goodness and faithfulness to the world around us. That true revival would happen in our workplaces, in our family environments, and out in the city of Camden. That God, that Camden would be changed for the glory of God because we choose to live godly lives every day, not just on Sunday. Father, have your way in our lives. God, I thank you for those that financially give to the church. God, it is needed. It is beneficial. It's not because of me. It's not because of this building. It is because you have a purpose for that. You call us to tithe and you call us to financially support your kingdom. So I thank you for those that do that here at Freedom. I ask blessing upon them that as they faithfully give, you are faithful to take care of them. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. 